I'm SP from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show about the general Marvel comic universe, part of the Guinea Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other hilarious and fun geeky shows at guineageeknetwork.com. Welcome to episode 239 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we talk about ways to make your podcasting more enjoyable. In this week's Better Podcasting Download, we talk about a change with YouTube that got people up in arms. And finally, in this week's Better Podback, we run down listener feedback, plus we ask a question for you as we head into our gear episodes next month. Lauren, start the show now. Welcome to Better Podcasting. With a combined history of over a thousand episodes, and starting as early as 2008, we are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Here are the hosts for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Welcome to an all-new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Stephen John Drew, and with me, of course, is the wonderful SP. Hey, how's everybody doing right now? As we are recording, we are on the eve of Thanksgiving, the American Thanksgiving. I'm not going to get into the whole fake Thanksgiving thing because Canadian Thanksgiving is October. American Thanksgiving or the state's Thanksgiving is in November. It doesn't matter. This is the start of the holiday lighting season. I will be putting out my exterior decorations on Friday, which is the day after Thanksgiving. And I know that Stephen already has his exterior display complete. Did you say it's the eve of Thanksgiving? As a reminder to our listeners, we record this show live on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And last I checked, Thanksgiving in America happens on a Thursday. So, well, okay, so it's metaphorical weird in there. (laughs) Yeah, medical, metaphorical Eve. I'm talking about the a couple of days before Thanksgiving. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you, Stargate Pioneer and Americans everywhere. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. By the way, we usually do a How I Save My Podcast story at this part time in the show. And this is just a reminder, if you're a listener to Better Podcasting and you have done anything to save your show, please get it into us. You can email it to us at podcast at betterpodcasting.com. We really would like a video and it could just be a video off your cell phone, but it could be an you're a podcaster, it could be an audio file and we will play it on the show. And don't forget to say the name of your show so we can promote it on our show. Let's talk about ways to make podcasting more enjoyable for yourself. A few weeks ago, we talked about several ways that podcasting has been especially difficult for podcasters and especially hobby podcasters this year. As people start to wrap up their 2020, they might be thinking to themselves, "Ah, this is feeling a little too difficult, a little bit like work, and maybe it's time to pack things in. Well, We here at Better Podcasting are the first to admit that sometimes you do need to pack in your podcast. In fact, we did a whole episode about knowing when it's time to call it quits on a podcast. However, we also are advocates of knowing that sometimes there are some changes that you can make for your podcast endeavors to make things a little bit more enjoyable for yourself 
and re-spark that fire with your love of podcasting. Today, we want to take some time to talk about some of the different things that we've done in the past to make our podcasting experiences a little bit more enjoyable. Now, in the past, we've had a couple different areas where we've covered about the fun aspects of podcasting, but we want to focus on three key areas today. This is about organization, collaboration, and adaptability. Now, the reason we want to focus on these is because we think these are areas that are really important as you close up your 2020. Just as you go through here, I think you'll see some of the topics really do relate to some of the things that might be dragging you down in podcasting in 2020. And we hope that as we go through these and we share some of our firsthand experiences that we've had applying these ideas to our podcast, that you'll be able to relate them to your podcast and the concept of your show. So SP, why don't you go ahead and kick us all off with organization. Some of the ways that organization can help make podcasting more enjoyable is the concept of splitting work into smaller chunks. This is a process that can be grueling. Podcasting can be grueling, especially with things like preparing recording notes, preparing show notes and editing or producing the show. One of the things that we found is that splitting up some of these into smaller chunks has really helped make it more enjoyable for us. Now, when I edit, I go about five minutes of the audio, then I will stand up, I will walk around, I will use the restroom, I'll grab some water, tea, or coffee, and then I'll sit back down and then buckle in and focus for another five minutes. It doesn't mean five minutes, like one, two, three, four, five. It means five minutes of audio editing, which for me could take up to 15 minutes. So that is why I do it in five minute chunks and I separate it so it doesn't get too grueling. After about 30 minutes or so, I will take a longer break. I will go and work out. I will watch a YouTube video or a television show. I will do some household chores like mulching the leaves or mowing the lawn or cleaning or something like that. But that is how I break up editing to make it more palatable and then ultimately more fun for me. Steven, what do you got that you can split up and make it more enjoyable? Well, we've talked in the past a little bit about how behind the scenes we like to work on a document, have an outline of things that we want to talk about, you know, on this show and others. And one of the things that I used to do was just sit down and hammer out my contribution to the show document that we work off of, whether it was this or one of the other podcasts. And I used to try to just sit down and do it all in, in one go. But now I found that I it's easier for me to go and do this in smaller sections. Add, add a section, maybe start with an introduction, then go walk away, do some other things, come on back, add a little bit more, maybe go watch a television show with the wife, then come back to some more. And just splitting this up makes it a lot easier just because of the fact that doing show prep can be a very difficult process, especially uh, if your topic is pretty deep. Yeah, for show notes, usually I can't spend a lot of time on them just fitting it into my schedule. So I schedule about 20 to 30 minutes in the morning every day after I wake up before I go to work and I work on them. Now, does this always work? Honestly, no, it doesn't, because there's some days that I got to get up and go straight to work and I can't fool around with anything in the house before I go. And I get up pretty early, by the way, too. But it's my attempt to dig into the show notes and hopefully I'll be able to prepare better in the future 
Now, 2020 itself was full of major projects for me. It really was. And my first extended vacation in years. And it did eat into my previously established schedule, but I'm back into it now and it is getting easier for me to prepare for shows. And sometimes when we do a long segment, either on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. or here on Better Podcasting or on Gonna Geek, I actually have to spend a lot of time preparing for that segment. So taking 20 or 30 minutes a day can help with that. Now, Stephen, what else do you have as a tip to split things up? Well, I'll go actually to where you sort of started, which is editing. For me, I've, I've talked about a little bit of my editing process for this show here. As we record the show on Tuesdays, and generally I find that starting editing on Saturday mornings works out for me. Well, I used to go and sit down and do it all in one big from start to finish run. Now I break it up into little sections. So I'll start by going and downloading the files and loading them up into my editing software getting them all lined up, and then I'll take a little bit of a break. I'll go and maybe visit with with the family for a little bit, maybe just replenish my coffee, get up, walk away, come back, do a little bit more of work, and just do it in smaller sections. And even previewing, I used to go and try to get it all previewed this just right after I edited it. And now I go and I even do that on a whole different day. So I like to split it up. It makes it a little bit easier to do especially because the Canadian host on Better Podcasting, he makes a lot of errors. So there's a lot of editing involved for him. I don't know who he is, but he should be fired. I think we've tried to do that before. One of the things that I will point out is what we're talking about is a weekly produced show. If you happen to be doing a show that's in seasons, your workflow is going to be a little bit different, but you're still going to have to split things up. So just keep that in mind as you move forward. Now, another method that we think can be a way to make podcasting more enjoyable along the lines of organization is pre-recording a segment. Now, sometimes sitting down in front of a microphone and recording an episode from front to back can be a little draining, especially if you're having an off day. Now, both Stephen and I have had off days before, and it is difficult. Now, if you find yourself constantly flubbing your words and having to re-record sections, it can be frustrating, draining, and really take the joy out of it. However, arranging your schedule to pre-record segments can help alleviate these concerns and make high-pressure segments less stressful, right, Stephen? Yeah. One example that I want to share on this is our process here on Better Podcasting when we conduct interviews. Most of the time that we have conducted interviews, we'll let you in on the secret here, we've pre-recorded those. That's something that we've just established as our process here is we'll set up a time that is different from our usual Tuesday live streamed recording session to do the interview with the interviewee. And this is for a few different reasons. Number one, it helps make sure that we have time dedicated to get all set up and test equipment and things like that and really alleviate some of that stress. But it also makes us just be able to focus on recording that without having to worry about all of the other factors getting the rest of the show notes worked out, getting the live stream set up, just having it all in one dedicated session for that interview. Now, if you've ever watched one of our live recording sessions when we've done this um, after the fact, you will see that we play the raw footage in there. But that's just because we like to give an experience for our live audience who do check out our recording sessions for us. We find it's just easier to get that pre-recorded ahead of time. Again, it reduces that pressure. 
And I've been really happy that we've done that over the years, especially because one time I was running around frantically before trying to get all of my smart lights fixed. Because again, we have a video companion for the show over at betterpodcasting.com. I remember that several times, actually, of, of you and your smart lights. And it has less to do with the lighting itself and more to do with the colorization and the camera <laughs> settings and stuff like that. So Stephen has this whole video thing going on, and I try to minimize it as, as best as I can. But pre-recording doesn't have to just be an interview. It could be a segment that you want to spend a little more time focusing on. We've done this a few times on the Gunna Geek Show before. For example, our co-host Chris Farrell once reviewed YouTube TV and he wanted to pre-record the segment because he wanted to spend some time on the weekend getting it together. I have also pre-recorded drone flying footage for the Gunna Geek show in a segment there. And Steven once did a mock-up award show and spliced it in the pre-recorded pieces with live. It would have been a lot of work to have to play all the sounds, voiceovers, etc. during the recording session. So Steven set that up beforehand. Steven, you remember how much work that was? It was. And I was so glad that I pre-recorded it because it made the actual recording session more fun because the bulk of the heavy lifting was done ahead of time. Now, this also can help alleviate a tight recording schedule if you only have a limited time per day to be able to record. If you set it up so that you're planning to record your episodes over the course of several recording sessions, you now give yourself a little bit more of a buffer to work through if you have a certain amount of time per day to do this. For example, let's say that you have one hour per evening, evening that you might be able to do some recording. Well, if you're doing a 45-minute podcast, you could go, okay, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get it recorded on one night and one night only. Well, that gives you 15 minutes of screw-ups and delays, re-recording, flubs, things like that to work with if you're planning on doing it over one night. But instead, if you break that up into multiple nights, now you have a lot more padding if something does go wrong. It can really help you feel less stressed, especially if you have tech issues as you're trying to record. And again, this depends on what kind of podcast that you have. If you have a talking head podcast where you have a bunch of co-hosts that have to get together, you might not be able to do it. But if you're a solo podcaster or if you are an audio drama podcaster with a bunch of voiceover work being done, you can definitely spread that out as long as you still make your publishing dates, your schedule that you have set for yourself. And we'll talk more about that later. Another way that we think you can help keep podcasting more enjoyable is by pursuing ideas that you're very passionate about and also knowing when to abandon the ideas that you're not so passionate about. We're huge advocates of creating lists for your podcast endeavors, and one of those lists that we suggest are action items. Sometimes it could be general show endeavors, otherwise it might be a list of general episode ideas. We think that it's worth prioritizing things on these lists that you're passionate about. Here's a recent example that we've got to share here. For better podcasting, we use a service called Trello. We've talked about that in the past. Essentially, we use that as a dumping ground for ideas for this podcast. We throw ideas in there as they pop in our head. Sometimes there's a lot of information in there. Sometimes it's a one-sentence trigger for us to remember what that idea was about. As we go through, we set up a schedule of what we want to cover for the next topics. Well, in the September to October timeline, we like to go, and this is an annual thing we do, we like to go in and try to schedule out our ideas for the remainder of the, the year. 
This is just essentially to put our schedule on paper, so to speak. That way, it was one less thing that we have to worry about during a busy time of year. We've got this off our list. We know where we're going to close up the year. However, this year, when we picked those topics, we didn't necessarily go with what was the oldest working to the newest. No, we looked at that and we kind of went, what are we passionate about right now? And that's where we started. In fact, after we set that up this year, if I recall correctly, our first couple topics that we had were very new additions to our Trello list. This is just because we were really passionate about those and we thought it was a good way to give ourselves a little shot in the arm to get things moving as we go in to close out the year. It was just really to really rejuvenate ourselves and give us that momentum. On the flip side, we think it's important that you know when to ditch ideas. And we've had many ideas in the past that we've had on our Trello list that we've just gone and we've archived. They get retired. If you are finding that there is an idea that's hung around your to-do list for a long time and you've constantly moved it up the list and pushed it back down, maybe it's time to just get rid of that and move on. You could come back one day, but get it off of your list, out of your mind, and know that you're just not that passionate about it. Because no matter how complex it is, if you were really passionate about it, you would probably do the whole, if there's a will, there's a way theory on it, and you would make it happen. So maybe subconsciously, you're not so passionate about it. Time to get rid of it. As hobbyists, we are huge advocates of making fun your big driving factor for podcasting. And if you're not so passionate about a topic, we think just get rid of it. In fact, I think this is actually why SP recently moved one of the ideas that he had on our Better Podcasting Trello list. He had an episode dedicated to honor Canadian podcasters, but I guess he wasn't that interested in it. No, it wasn't just Canadian podcasters. It was Canadian podcasters who podcast about podcasting. Oh, now I see why you were really uninterested. Okay, following you now. Total bore, total (laughs) bore there. Which takes us to the next point. Keep organized where possible in a manner that works for you and your co-host if you happen to have them. Have you ever gone hunting for a document on your computer? Could be for work, could be for personal reasons, doesn't really matter. You probably started out with a lot of ambition, but by the time you find it, you're you're just forget about it. You're less interested in it, right? Having a good organization system can help you spend your time on the things that matter, like finding the document really quickly and then not spending your efforts looking for things. Additionally, it can make planning a lot easier. This can help make the whole process easier and thus more enjoyable, as we have said and we will continue to say is the key to making your hobby podcast fun and making it last. Now, the next effort that we're going into, we started talking about organization. We're going to move on to collaboration. Now, whether you're doing a podcast with yourself or with others, collaboration can help make the process a lot more enjoyable. Let's begin, though, with some examples of what to do when you podcast with others. The first, sharing content development among your podcast hosts. If one person finds themselves doing the bulk of the heavy lifting, they may find it less engaging, especially if it's a weekly show and they're doing it week after week after week. There's jealousy, there's anger. You feel like you're doing all the work and not everybody else is. It just becomes to be a drag. Both Stephen and I have been there. Both Stephen and I have made our peace with it, or we have axed those shows. I mean, we've talked about that before on Better Podcasting. 
So the person might find themselves consistently thinking about whether or not it's even fun anymore, and it will definitely become a chore. However, splitting up content development can be huge for making the fun stick around. Here are a couple of examples that we have. Over on the Guinea Geek Show, we rotate through who takes the lead of the featured segment at the end of the show. Additionally, we each curate a news point that we want to talk to. So it's not just one person doing all the news. It's not just one person doing a main segment every week over and over and over. This evens out the workload over time for sure. And it has made Gonna Geek capable of being produced for as long as it has been. I believe 355 episodes right now. Another example for me is over on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Different hosts are responsible for different sections. Michelle has taken over the duties for creating, organizing, and updating the recording notes. This is the show notes that we use as we were recording. Lauren is largely responsible for our social media interactions. And I do the editing and publishing. And the show would not happen without the three of us taking each role. But within the show itself, we divide it up, much like the Get a Geek show. I'm the primary host for the main segment, usually. Sometimes that gets farmed out. Michelle runs this news segment and Lauren runs the feedback segment. All three of us can input whatever we want into the recording notes for whatever segment. But at the end of the day, the person who is running or producing, dare I say, each segment gets the final call. Now, this is a great way to keep the fun around by distributing the workload in the pre-show. But this idea can also apply to other areas of podcasting, right, Stephen? Yeah, for example, interacting with your listeners or social media. Interacting with your listeners can be a lot of work, especially if you find your listeners on multiple channels like Twitter and Facebook and email. Splitting up these duties, or at least who takes the lead on on these duties, can be helpful to make it a more enjoyable process. For example, someone might be more active on Twitter within your show, and they might want to go and be the lead for Twitter, while someone else might be making up for the person that's banned from Facebook. So they would take the lead on Facebook. You could split up the social media aspects of it. And then maybe one of your hosts is just terrible with emails. So that falls to the other hosts. Who knows? First of all, are you talking about the Facebook? I am talking about the Facebook. Yes. Yes. As long as we can call it the Facebook, I will say (laughs) the Facebook. But collaboration really goes beyond just those on your podcast. Collaborating with others off of your podcast can be a fun way to make your podcasting more enjoyable, especially if it works out that it's lightening your workload. Here's an example. Maybe you run a solo podcast and you decide that you want to collaborate with another podcaster and have them on your show. Well, is it a situation where maybe they can do a little content creation? You can give them a little section of your show for them to shine. Bottom line, this is a little less work that you have to do for that, and it adds a little new flavor to your show and a little new experience to your show. Now, whilst this next point or point or two may not technically be collaboration, It is of note that it's something that we think kind of fits in this whole scope of working with others. And it's the concept of paying for something to get done for your show. Yes, we are hobby podcasters and we like to do things for free. Well, not free, but low cost where possible. And sometimes that might involve paying for something. Now, SP, we're talking about paying for traffic, right? 
oh, of course, we're we're talking about anything that you can do to game the system, paying for traffic. You're talking about getting likes. You're talking about getting those reviews. Absolutely. That's what we're talking about. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about getting uh, to do off your plate by paying somebody else. And as hobby podcasters, we actually enjoy to do just about everything with the podcast, except for those things that we can't do. Like me, I can't do graphic art, so I can do paints, but that's not very professional. So I just don't do that. But this is stuff like creating a logo, doing voice work or something else. It's important to recognize when it might be better to pay for something rather than to do it on your own. And this is true of any hobby. Say, I'll, I'll take fishing, right? So you love to fish, but you just don't get out there enough to know where the fish are on any given week or day. So you pay a guide to take you out or you don't have a boat. So you pay a guide who has a boat to charter and you take out. So it's not just with podcasting. I can give an example for just about everything. Now, there are certain things that you'd want to do to keep it your own. Like if you're podcasting, you'd probably want to be the one on the microphone. And with fishing, you'd probably be want to be the one with the fishing pole, but in the end, it can be a collaboration. You can pay for services in order to make it easier. Well, one of the things that I tried as a hobby a year or two ago was I really wanted to get into the whole weight loss craze, but I didn't like to do any fitness. So I just paid somebody to lose the weight for me. Did you film them or have them film themselves and did you have them document your, their journey so you could talk about it? No, the I podcast? just paid them. They lost weight and thus it was my weight loss program. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess it's not true that you can do it with everything. So, <laughs> Although you could pay somebody to take the fat out, you know, those fat reduction surgeries. No, I mean, that not, is a way. No, we're not going there. Not going there at all. An another sort of not so collaborative point, but again, something that we think fits in this general scope that we want to mention is. We're going to stretch a little bit on this one here. Collaborating with other people to really interact with you while you're doing these more stressful things. Essentially, what we're talking about here is engaging other people during these troubling and difficult times. Here's a simple example of that. Setting up a quick and dirty Facebook Live to interact with some people on your social media about something that you're going to do that's difficult. Maybe it's setting up a document or editing. Could be as simple as just opening up uh, your camera on your phone, doing a Facebook Live and going, hey, everybody, I'm going to start editing. Do you want to keep me company? And people might jump in. Really, this is working with your audience to motivate you to have a little bit more fun and really break up some of that monotony that comes with troubling and difficult processes within your podcasting experience. It doesn't have to have high production value at all. That's a whole other area and actually sometimes adds a little bit more stress. This is just a way that you're interacting with people. Back when SP was on the Facebook, I know that he often would go and he would start up a little Facebook live before he started editing Legends of Shield just as a hello. And he'd have some people come in and say, hey, how's it going? And he'd have a little bit of a chat with them as he went into that difficult editing session that was his podcast. So it's really just a way to increase that engagement with others. And again, have them motivate you a little bit through these challenging circumstances. I almost forgot about those Saturday morning sessions that I started with Facebook Lives just to get going there. And to really hammer this home, this is something that will benefit you 
but it could benefit your audience as well since they would get a behind the scenes in some cases. Like say you don't stream live like we do on Better Podcasting or Guinea Geek. Seeing the raw editing as it's going on might actually be a behind the scenes perk that they would like to get through like a Patreon or something like that. So just keep that in mind. Keep it in your bag of tricks as you move forward. All right. So we talked about collaboration. We talked about organization. We're going to talk about the last thing that we're going to talk about today in terms of making your podcast more enjoyable for yourself. And that is adaptability. We think as a hobby podcaster, it's important that you allow yourself to be flexible and adaptable through your podcast ventures to keep podcasting enjoyable. Let's start by going back a few minutes to our schedule. See, I told you we talk about it later. We mentioned a few months ago that we set the schedule to go through the end of the year. However, we often work with our schedule of a few ideas a few weeks ahead, but sometimes we push the schedule out if we have a topic that comes up that we find really motivating for one of us. Stephen mentioned that before. We have an unspoken agreement that will push the schedule in any direction if somebody is really excited about a topic. Which I guess, by the way, is now spoken. Yeah, I guess since we both said it, it is indeed spoken. Way, way to go, Stephen. But along those same lines, we think as a hobby podcaster that you allow yourself to have impromptu changes of release and cancellation. If your life has something come up, for example, on the Gonna Geek show, we'll occasionally end up taking a week off, something that we like to announce in advance. Sometimes it's announced at the last minute, though. These always revolve around something coming up in one of our many personal lives. We're big believers that it's better as a hobby podcaster to allow yourself to occasionally break your release schedule if you have other more pressing things come up in your personal life. I am shaking my head or I'm nodding my head up and down very exaggeratorily, if that's even a word. Never mind. <laughs> Along the same lines, we think you should allow yourself the ability to occasionally release an episode late if something else comes up. It could be because something went wrong with your podcast and it delayed you, how I saved my podcast, or it could be personal. Maybe you spend the whole weekend putting up Christmas lights and a tree with the family. That's okay. In a few years, you probably appreciate having those memories of your family festivities and never even remember that you were a day late or two with your release. Trust me, you won't remember it. We did this a few weeks ago for Better Podcasting Live Chat during Canadian Thanksgiving, when Stephen spent time with his family, I encouraged him to be late since the cards didn't allow it to be edited and posted in time for the usual release. And some listeners noticed, but most were okay with it. We never got it. I'm going to unsubscribe because you were a day late. And to be honest, I mean, holidays are special, especially this year. So I'm glad Stephen did that. Now, if your podcast is seasonal, recognize it's okay to delay production a week or so along the way too. You should be on some sort of release schedule where you're racking and stacking the episodes in advance. If you record them in advance, just make sure that you keep going with a schedule after a few days or weeks. If you wait too long to re-engage, you could be considered approaching the dreaded pod fade. But by returning to your production schedule, you can make your next season's release in a timely manner that both you and your listeners can appreciate, which leads beautifully into our next area, which is all about being adaptable with the timelines for your to-do list. We believe that setting goals and timelines is an important part of your process. 
But we do think it's important that you need to be adaptable with these timelines, especially if you want to keep your podcast ventures more enjoyable as a hobby podcaster. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Stephen, I know you. You're a procrastinator. Does that mean that you're saying that I should procrastinate? No, that's not the case, because what we're saying is that you need to be realistically adaptable with those timelines to help you prioritize the things that are making you enjoy your podcasting more and really keeping you interested in the idea of podcasting. And the last thing that we want to mention in adaptability is to allow yourself to shake things up and be a little crazy every now and then. For example, maybe you have something new and you want to try it out in your show and you're just not sure how it's going to fit, just give it a try. Trust me. What do you have to lose? A few listeners? Core listeners are going to stay. They may tell you they hated it, but they'll probably stay for at least an episode. But you tried it, it's off your mind, and it was a new experience. New experiences can be a huge way to keep podcasting enjoyable. And so allowing yourself to shake things up occasionally can be fun. For example, over on Gunna Geek, we had an episode which was called Gunna Gleek, which you can find at gunnagleek.com. I know this because I just updated the URL. And that was a wonderful episode that Stephen did in homage of the, uh, what was that show, Gleek? Leak Club. There was a whole thing to do with The Flash and Supergirl, and it was content we were talking about on the show at the time, but there was actors and actresses that were involved with the Glee show. So anyways, oh, it was it was a running gag on the show, so we kind of leaned into that, did a whole episode surrounding that, and there was me singing, and it was terrible. Gunnagleek.com if you want to hear that terrible singing. But here's a more relatable example for those of you who have checked out our back catalog of better podcasting. It was when I was first fired. This was just a fun little thing that we kind of took a fun little detour with our podcast. I had to go away. I was not able to podcast for an episode, so we thought it'd be fun to set it up in advance that maybe there was, quote, a little turmoil with us. And then SP would just come in with our guest host and, quote, fire me. And it was just a fun little thing that we went a little crazy, a little off the norm at the time, and just had a little bit of fun with the podcast. It was a fun experience for us. And look at all the episodes where we have just really drove that joke into the ground. (laughs) We have quite a bit. Although one thing I want to mention with that firing thing is it wasn't just something off the cuff. We actually orchestrated that for weeks. And we kind of created our own script to it as we led up to it. So it was a lot more elaborate behind the scenes than you might have realized as a listener. And it was probably one of the more effective dupes that I have seen in podcasting of a podcaster to their audience. So for that, I apologize to our audience that was listening to us at the time, but we had a lot of fun doing it. So in summary here, podcasting is fun and it's why we do it after all, just like the, the whole firing gag. But sometimes things can get in the way of making podcasting fun. We realize that. And some of the times, especially for hobby podcasters, it eventually means the dreaded pod fade. But there are things that you can do to help keep podcasting fun, including organization, collaboration and adaptability. And if you focus on our tips Hopefully, you'll keep podcasting and stay away from that pod fade and keep everything fun. And if you have any tips to keep the podcasting fun, it doesn't have to be organization collaboration or adaptability. But if you, as a listener, have any tips that we haven't talked about on this episode, 
please let us know. We'll talk about it on a future episode. You can get us on our Twitter account at BetterPod. You can send us an email, podcast at betterpodcasting.com, or talk to us on our Discord server at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. This is the Better Podcasting Download. All right, this week we're going to step into the YouTube territory because we know that there are some podcasters that don't even do full video shows necessarily, but they do post their podcasts on YouTube. Now, there are podcasters who do have video companions like ourselves that they do post on YouTube. And the reason we want to talk about this was because there was a terms of service change that recently came up that got some discussion. Now, I'm going to turn it over to SP to summarize, but I just want to lead into this because it was surprising to me to see all of this turmoil. I have never, ever, ever known YouTube to make a change that caused people to get upset. So this is completely new territory. Yeah, so there was an email from YouTube on November 18, 2020, updating the terms of service. And there is two points in there that a lot of podcasters started talking about. One was YouTube's right to monetize. I'm going to quote here, quote, YouTube has the right to monetize all content on the platform and ads may appear on videos from channels not in the YouTube partner program, unquote. The second thing is a little less important to us here on Better Podcasting, but I'm just going to mention it, is royalty payments and tax withholding, quote, for creators entitled to revenue payments, such payments will be treated as royalties from a U.S. tax perspective and Google will withhold taxes where required by law, unquote. All right, just so you know that in case you skipped over the email and you are a YouTube member. So here's some of the thoughts that I have on this. There was an avalanche of reactions to this announcement that I heard from podcasters of all sorts. And I don't go in the circles of YouTube content creators too much, but definitely the podcasters that are on YouTube started talking about this quite a bit. Many podcasters that I was talking to wanted to leave YouTube. They either did not want to have advertisements run on their shows, much like here on Better Podcasting, we don't monetize. And I would prefer my shows, at least they're on YouTube, to be enjoyed without advertisements, especially since I'm not monetizing. Or they didn't want some of that sweet YouTube advertisement revenue to go all to YouTube. They wanted some of it, honestly. Most of the shows hosted on YouTube that were not already part of the YouTube partner program didn't qualify for advertisements and wouldn't make much off the ads anyway, but there was still this rash of reaction to this because they wanted the money. If you're going to run ads on my program, I want some of that money. I will tell you at the rate that people watch your stuff, it might not be that much anyway, because if you were getting the watch, the views, You'd have a thousand subscribers and 4,000 hours of content viewed per month, I believe for 12 months before you can qualify for the YouTube's partner program. So at that point, you might make a few bucks a month, but it's not going to be the hundreds or thousands of dollars that you might think it is. So is it really worth it? I don't know. Let me back up for a second. How are podcasters on YouTube? Steven mentioned some of this already. Podcasts are either on YouTube doing what we're doing here, which is the talking head video, or their podcasters are uploading their content audio only with some sort of static imagery. Now, Steven and I don't really think that's a great way to podcast on YouTube, but I know a lot of people do that. So podcasters are on YouTube because of the exposure, the discoverability, the searchability, it's free, 
and the videos are hosted forever or now. Well, Stephen, what other service does that for free? I mean, forever and has a huge user base and successful algorithm. What what other service does all that? Um, I'm waiting. Um, no, not that. Um, no. Um, no, that one doesn't exist anymore. Uh, ca- Canadians who no, not that one either. That one's gone. Um, mm, how about the one? No, that one doesn't keep videos indefinitely. So no, that's not a YouTube. Uh oh, I know, I know, I got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Got it. It's uh sweaty Canadians who like to enjoy flapjacks and maple syrup. Oh, I don't. That's not how a does service. That even that's a, that's a not plot. a service. Sorry, that's not a service. <laughs> no, okay. my, my apologies. Um, no, here. I, oh, I got no, no. That's not one because it isn't free. How about Either Facebook? for the Facebook. users, the Facebook it has its own issues. Oh man. yeah, but that's true. I mean, you can, but it's it wouldn't work like YouTube. Um, mm. I, there's got to be another big company out there like YouTube, like Google, like Alphabet that would have access to a lot of servers. Well, mm. there is, but they don't have an uploaded video service, right? So no, can't do that. Bottom line, it doesn't exist. Yes, it does not. <laughs> you will not find a YouTube clone in another place because of a variety of different issues. Well, not one that we can discuss on here. Okay. So because of that and a lot of other reasons, it's much like Apple Podcast was about five years ago and more where there simply wasn't any main competition of note. YouTube, like Apple Podcasts, pre- 2015 has pretty much cornered the market for video. So unless somebody comes up with a platform that can match YouTube, YouTube is it. It's free. How can you argue with that? I would say to podcasters out there that have issues with this, that they want to move off. I would say, calm down right now, carry on, have fun with your podcasting. I would also say, make sure that you stay updated as to what's going on with the platform. But I think you can continue to use it. And from a viewer perspective, there's going to be an add on all videos now for the most part. So the viewer is just going to get used to it. It's not going to say anything about yourself. So that's just what I'm thinking. Steven, I know you have your own thoughts. You know, overall, like I think for a hobbyist, you summarized it well. Like there's huge benefit in here from a discoverability perspective. The biggest question marks I have are typical with ads. We've talked about it before where a podcast service has thrown ads on a podcast without getting the permission. And I think that's the valid concern there is like, if you're not reaping the benefits of those ads, what if they're promoting something that you don't agree with? And it's one thing if they're promoting something that you don't agree with, but you're getting paid for it. That's advertising half the time. Um, but it's another if you're not getting anything from there. And then the second point is, and and I don't know enough about this, but I know back in the day, YouTube, and I believe there may have even been a whole lawsuit around this, and I could be wrong on that, but I believe there was a, a lawsuit around this idea, which was that YouTube was pretty heavy to ban people, even if they they didn't exactly have all their ducks in a row, but people who were trying to get advertising revenue through any of their Google services, Google it, I think it was in general, was was a little heavy-handed when it came to thinking someone had been foul, and sometimes it wasn't them, and 
they were banned from doing that. So they could no longer get, they couldn't even get YouTube. They couldn't get Google AdSense. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. They couldn't get any of these things. And so that... Actually, AdSense is a requirement for the YouTube partner program. Okay, fair enough. And so when they were blanket banned, they couldn't do it. And as people, you know, started to get into these other endeavors, and now I'm going into my whole website of things. If this had happened, they could apply, but essentially it was like many things with Google. You're not getting to talk to somebody and you're not appealing that. It's just not going to happen. And so they were they were banned. And so if this is the case and these people are still creating content and they're allowed to create content, yet YouTube has gone and banned them from making money off of that, now YouTube's shoving ads on there. That's another question mark I have because like that's a little hypocritical. You're not allowed to run your ads, ads on the site, but we'll run ads for you. So, and take all of it. So like, I don't know. I, I, that's another area that I have concerns on. Overall, for me, it's a non-issue at this time. Um, I think there are perhaps ulterior motives for people who might possibly get so sick of ads that they decide that they would subscribe to a service that would allow them to watch these YouTube videos for, for without ads. I don't know if Google makes that or not. Yes, they do. And so I, you know, I could go down that thought process. At the, at the bottom line, I'm not surprised. They've seen this sort of things with YouTube before. We'll see where it lands at the end of it all. I don't see the alternative service out there that is going to pick up steam. How many years have we heard? This is the next thing that's going to put Facebook in their place. Facebook is gone. I don't know. We have... We don't see people migrating off of Facebook to some place that just, you know, makes Facebook completely irrelevant. I don't see that with YouTube. I, I don't see any reason why we would have a big flock of people off of YouTube that would have another service crush YouTube. I don't see it. You brought up a good point about paying to go ad free. There's many services that do the CBS All Access is a platform that does this on the TV video side of things. I kind of don't like the fact that if you become a member of a channel that you're still subjected to the ads for that channel. And I would love for it a way to YouTube to make a deal in the membership construct that you would not see ads at a certain level of membership. That's YouTube the, premium. That's what I was alluding to is YouTube I know, premium. I know, I know, but if I just wanted it with one channel, if I'm a member gotcha. of one channel, if I want to support that creator specifically, and I know YouTube takes their cut, then I would like to go ad free for their, and it's, it's not, I, I would have to be a member of that channel and I would have to go to YouTube premium. So I would have to pay two things right there. And odds are, if you're watching a lot of YouTube, you'd be a member if you wanted to support several people. So your price goes up and up and up beyond what YouTube premium was, but I just want to mention that because there's a lot of streaming only services that are behind paywalls right now, and there's more and more of acceptability for the podcasting listening audience with like Spotify and you know, Luminary and different places where you're getting that sort of, of look. So just be prepared that the podcasting industry, which we knew 2013, 2014 is radically different in 2020 than it was back then. Yeah, and one last thing that I think I'll throw out there just as a food for thought is that the concept of having something hosted for free that is supported by ads 
is not new on the internet, right? YouTube was almost an anomaly in, in that in that case where there was content on there that w- did not have ads on there that was hosted for free. Now, there's all sorts of other things that we could get into about how that is still monetized because of analytics and other things like that and uh, you know, getting people down other channels that do have ads. But I just want to throw that out there as a food for thought as we head to the better pod back. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. Sometimes I'm a little bad at putting the full URLs into our show notes, which I try, but sometimes I miss it. So let's get it out of the way right now. Blog.patreon.com forward slash a dash secure dash new dash way dash to dash share dash podcast dash feeds dash on dash Patreon dot dash with dash a cast. Was that a dot before the dash with or was that just you screwing up and it's actually a <laughs> dash with it was a screw up it was a screw up Uh, however this takes us into yakko.org's first comment so yakko.org posted this article and he basically put some commentary on it which was that the only benefit that i see over just using patreon's rss feed is the analytics and it looks like patreon's integration is on the 15 dollar a month acast plan I'm not sure if I'm reading that right because the blog post says, quote, you can join ACAST for free, enabling you to manage your Patreon RSS feed and tier permissions within ACAST, unquote. Now, to be honest, I hadn't seen this until Yakko.org posted it in the Discord server. I didn't have a chance to go look into it, but it's very interesting that our listeners will go into our Discord server, specifically the Better Podcasting channel. And they will post some things like this so that the audience of Better Podcasting can get this stuff without having to to go and look for it themselves. So for that, I want to thank Yakko.org on this. Now, Stephen, what do you think about ACAST's partnership with Patreon? I read the post in our Discord. Uh, Don't have much more beyond that because honestly, it doesn't apply to me, right? Like it's just the way that it is. It's not anything that really applies to my endeavors. But I, I, I think it's great because there's lots of conversation that that surrounds these topics. And thank you very much to Jeremy Dennis for submitting that. And hey, Jeremy, if at some point you want to correct us on your name, you've had Yakko.org, you've had Yakko.org, you've had Yakko Doctor. Just let us know how to properly say that. It is not Yakko Doctor anymore. <laughs> I, I was remiss in that, and he corrected me already. Don't bring it up again. <laughs> All right. We also had Ingenious One say and, and post a link to a Behringer product that I won't go and read out the whole thing. And it was a Behringer Flow 8. Quote, I know most people dislike Behringer, but what are your thoughts on this new price? Not much info about it out there, end quote. Now, before we get into this product, the Flow 8, let me start off by saying that I think there is a lot of people that dislike Behringer. However, I don't know that uh, most people dislike Behringer. I think that Behringer, for a lot of hobbyists, fits the budget quite right. I think that I have had success. like I have personally had success with several Behringer products. My first Behringer mixer, my father-in-law currently uses preamps are noisy as you know what right now but it's he uses it for his his uh little music studio he has there but it's still going 
But there are some products that have died. Like Aspie has had a couple Behringer mixtures die. Um, I think that there maybe the quality control is not up there of some other brands. However, I, I I just wanted to highlight that right now because I think there are several Behringer products that do work for hobbyist pop. Uh, podcaster budget, and I actually use one right now, which is the UMC 202 HD, and it's worked quite well. So, the flowing... I was going to mention that Behringer's UMC 404 HD was actually a go-to for many hobby podcasters that wanted up to four inputs on an audio interface to record four separate tracks on their computer. It was the way to do things. Now, the Zoom PodTrack P4 is out, which I would recommend people get now versus the 404 but the 404 was a mainstay for a couple of years there now the flow eight was interesting to me because it's a digital mixer actually i'll just quote them from their website quote h input digital mixer with bluetooth audio and app control 60 mm channel faders 2fx processors and usb audio interface Essentially, it is a, a digital mixer that has some remote capabilities with Bluetooth audio. Now, there is no recording function that we could see on there, but this was really interesting to me because there has there was a little bit of a movement almost when we started Better Podcasting to get some of these remote control devices. I know there was a couple that interacted with iPads and things like that. And, you know, the L20 even, I believe there's a Bluetooth module that you can go and you can... Mm, you can do some stuff with it, but there's also the L20 rack version. I forget what they call it. It's not it's not L20, but it's essentially a rack version that is entirely, um, not entirely, but primarily controlled by app. And we're seeing a few of these things here and there. And this was interesting because the amount of features that were on there for the price point seemed pretty interesting. Like if I was to find a super sale on this, I'm, I might consider it just for testing purposes for my workflow with the editing, uh, with the needing the hardware recorder. I don't know that it would fit in there. I could bounce it to another hardware recorder back to like the H6 or something. But, you know, when I, I've had the luxury of the L8 or the L12 or the Rodecaster Pro, you, you have it all built in with one. It is kind of nice. So I'm a little sad that that's not in there, but it's interesting. It's interesting to see that it's available. When I first saw this, I'll admit my first reaction was another thing from Behringer. But then I thought, you know, I want to keep my mind open to things. So if the Flow 8 had the functionality in it that I would want, I would actually consider it seriously and not just poo-poo it. So that is out of the way. Uh, for the price point that it's at, it's pretty close to the Zoom PodTrack P4. And one could argue that for most podcasters, the PodTrack P4 has more capability because of the onboard recording uh, and the multiple headphones out. I think the PodTrack P4 would be more useful for more hobby podcasts. But depending on what your actual use case is, this might be something that you want to go with. I know that uh, Behringer has had a variety of mixers throughout the year and, and their technology has not been outdated. They've been updating things. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with to compete with Zoom's new line, with the Rode Procaster and with sound devices, uh, devices. So we'll, we'll see how all this goes on. And I think Behringer had a little reality check once they saw the Zoom PyTrack P4 specifically 
because two days later, after Ingenious One posted this on our Discord, he posted another message that says, not even out yet and already a part a price drop. So it went down in price. I believe it was $299 and went down to like $229 or something like that. So yeah, it could be. I don't know. Uh, but it does make it more competitive with the PodTrack P4. So if you want to take a look at those in between uh, the two of them, you know, and there's others out there too, but I'm just saying for most podcasters in the hobbyist realm, that's probably going to be the, most podcasters want to keep it as inexpensive as possible, especially if they're starting out. So I could see this being an option for some podcasters. Just before we hop to the next one, I don't know that I agree with your your comparison. I think they're very different UK use cases because I think the Behringer having the um, the Bluetooth built in as well as the remote control feature. I, I I think that I think they're targeting two different market bases. And honestly, I think the Flow Eight. I don't know that they're targeting a, a recording. I think they're they're targeting live more than they are targeting a recording environment whether it's music or podcasting and i think that's where most of the podcasters out there run into an issue because i don't think these companies understand that not everybody who's podcasting wants to go live now there's a lot of video game streamers there's a lot of streamers out there that this might be applicable to but for podcasters and musicians too let's face it but for podcasters it's a very unique set that you need to have certain functionalities for it to be considered for most. And and honestly, that's why I kind of like the fact that this, to me, looks like it's tailored towards a musician because we, as podcasters, came and had to start with equipment that wasn't made for podcasting because podcasting is still relatively new. We took things like from the music industry and we applied it to the podcast industry. And now I like seeing this fork in the road. I like the fact that Behringer is still creating products that seems to be for musicians. To me, this really looks like a music product. In fact, there's little guitar icons on it um, for a couple of the inputs. I really think that that is okay because that means that there will probably be an avenue that will, if this doesn't have features that apply for podcasters, this means that maybe there'll be some that they do develop for podcasters. We're seeing that elsewhere. And I think that that's better to have the two different channels and the two different streams so that podcasters aren't stuck with a bunch of features that are overly complicated that are more applicable for musicians. And musicians aren't sitting there going, why the heck did you set this up for me? I'm never going to ever use that function. I need this for my music. So I like this. And um, truthfully, I don't know that this is something that is going to find its way into podcasters. You're absolutely right. The money is more into musicians even today than it is in podcasters. So I would expect companies to make things more things for musicians and podcasters. As a matter of fact, Zoom and Rode are two of the anomalies to come out with the gear that they have come out with in the last couple of years. All right. So let's move on to the next feedback. It was another one from Jeremy Dennis. He posted a link for a Twitter tweet, not a fleet, but a tweet from Backpack Studio. And they yesterday posted, what would you call a free app that lets somebody be a guest on your podcast? 
asking for a friend. So this is very interesting coming from Backpack Studio. I've used it for a long time. Steven, I know you haven't because it's iOS predominantly, but Backpack Studio is an incredible suite now, which I have never used to record a podcast. I have only used it as a soundboard, but I am in their corner. And if they're coming out with something new, I really hope that it has the functionality that a lot of podcasters want because I really want to support the developer. Yeah, very cool. Um, free. Hmm. All that one over. We should just, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it. But, you know, we're pretty quick to talk about how things use bandwidth and how things need backbones and how when something's free, there's question marks in there about sustainability. And if this is regard involving somebody guessing on your podcast, if there's server resources, curious about that. You know, when we talked about OBS Ninja, we mentioned these things, same sort of caveats. But I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's good. If this is going to be something that comes out, maybe it's, hey, guest downloads Backpack Studio and it records it on their device and then ships it up from there. I don't know. I'm not sure. I guess we'll see what happens. And we don't know if it's just going to be Iowa. I assume from app. And I know there's more and more apps being developed for computers, but I assume from app he's talking about mobile here. So I don't know if it's just iOS or if it is Android as well. Who knows? We'll see. And I have no idea. There's no timeline here. So we'll just keep our eyes on Backpack Studio and see what happens. And I'll give you the honor of doing our last one here. Uh, very, very nice individual in our Discord server this past week. In fact, I think he's quite handsome as well. Wow, narcissistic, aren't you? Because he's talking about himself, right? So let's try something new. This is a quote from what he posted in our Discord server yesterday. Steven, by the way, in case none of you picked that up. But let's try something new. Our end of the year gear segments are coming in a few weeks. What question do you have for us specifically about our gear? Reply to this and ask either of us or both of us, and we'll address the questions in the podback section of our respective episodes, unquote. We actually got some feedback from that already. From the most part, I remember they were questions for both of us, but I want a footstop here. If anybody has a specific question for Steven or a specific question for me, we will cover it on our gear segments. It doesn't have to be a question for both of us. So email us to podcast at betterpodcasting.com or tweet us at betterpod if you've got that regarding our gear, because if you're new to better podcasting at the end of the year, the last couple episodes that we release are all about our gear over the year. And we'll tell you why we do that when we get there. We always recap that. So thank you very much for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. We hope you had a good time. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and it makes your podcasting endeavors a little bit more enjoyable. SP, I want to just give a little special shout out here to the Gunna Geek Network. The Gunna Geek Network has some cool, awesome podcasts on there. But specifically, I want to highlight the community over on the Discord server. If you go to betterpodcasting.com slash Discord, that will actually take you into the Gunna Geek Discord. But we've got our own little nook and cranny in there. And so we want you to come and join the community because we have a whole bunch of topics in there. And I noticed that some of them are heating up again, like smart home talk. We're getting to the time of year that people are thinking about gifts or they're setting up lights. And we got that kicking up. 
we had some interesting conversation over in gaming with the news releases of, or not news releases, but the new releases of some of the consoles. So lots of cool activity happening over there. And if you want to join us in there, come and say hello. And hopefully we can keep your company in the better podcasting slash gonna geek discord server. And if we can't, our other users definitely can. We're not solely the only ones in there for sure. We would love to see you there. We'd love to talk to you about podcasting. So that's going to go ahead and wrap us up for episode 239 of Better Podcasting. I'm Stephen John Drew saying, yeah, that's Stephen John Drew guy. He gives some good feedback. And I am SP saying, yeah, that Canadian Stephen John. Now you know why he fired me. See you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching. And we hope to see you again next week.